Hey everyone, welcome back to Quaker Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McKeown. I'm here with sports editor Caleb Crane and deputy sports editor Walker Carnathan. Uh, we got three topics today. That's two more than usual, but I hope you guys enjoy. First off, we're going over men's lacrosse. Then we're going into baseball. And finally, talking about Jordan Dingle and the Ivy League's chances for, you know, basketball players getting drafted. So yeah, to open it off, we're going with Caleb Crane. We're talking a little bit about men's lacrosse. Yeah, so I've been covering the last two games, and so the first one I covered, the like second most recent game was a loss at Brown when they kind of had the game like in control the whole time, but the two teams kind of traded goals toward the end, and Penn ultimately lost by one, and then they came out yesterday at Harvard, or sorry, they came out on last Saturday at Harvard, and the first half of that game was really like that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like Penn did have like they had like three early goals but then harvard like really came back into it and it was like tied 5-5 at halftime but then like coming out of that break after halftime penn just like laid it on them they had five straight goals they outscored uh harvard 10 to 4 in the second half they ultimately won 15 to 9 and i think after like those two games like they have one ivy game left and then one final, like, non-conference game of the season left mm-hmm. before, like, the Ivy Tournament. And I think they're, like, this team is good. Yeah. Um. But I'm not sure how great they are. Okay. Like, this team, if they win against Dartmouth on Friday or on Saturday, they'll be top four in the Ivy. They'll go to the Ivy Tournament. From there, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And because they've played, like, an insanely strong schedule, like, eight of their ten opponents are ranked nationally top 25 like because they've done that they faced the same teams they're going to face in the ivy tournament and then hopefully in the ncaa yeah and like because the ivy league has such dominance over lax the um like even if they don't even make the the ivy tournament they still have like a shot to make the ncaa oh for sure to go over just the direct positives penn being better at harvard than something for you know the millionth time in a row shout that out um just for the homerness, but also I remember covering uh, lacrosse a little bit. I didn't actually end up writing a paper, but I loved watching. Again, I fell in love with lacrosse a little bit this semester, and they looked good to me. I'm very much new to this. You've been covering it more. Basically, everyone in the department has been covering it more, but they've looked good. I remember their national rankings being high. The teams been fighting have been high. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to finally have a team to root for for Penn that you can just say they're going to the national championship. I mean, you can. Yeah, they're go- they. I'm not going to, like, guarantee they're going to go to the NCAA tournament because, mm-hmm. like, it's, I think, 24, 32 teams and, like, there's two more games left and who knows. Um, but, like, this team is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, they've played an incredibly hard schedule and they've held up. They're 5-5. Five and five, They're 3-2 and two in the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. They beat Dartmouth on Friday or on Saturday. And, like, Dartmouth is 1-3 in the Ivy. Mm-hmm. I think they have a good shot at beating Dartmouth. I don't want to guarantee anything. Mm-hmm. But if they beat Dartmouth, they'll co- their conference record will be four and two. That should be more than enough to get them to the Ivy tournament. And like they win these games, like going back even the last season, they like would win these games kind of not flukily, but like things would happen. They'd get breaks. Yeah. They'd get lucky. They'd score. They they they're clutch. They score <laughs> goals when they needed to. They have that dog in them. Is that sure? What's, yeah. yeah. Okay. They, they do have that dog in they them. They have that dog in them. Okay. And. But I'm just not sure. Like last season, they came into the tournament, like mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament, as like the three seed in the country, and like they won Ivies and like all this accolade. Mm-hmm. They're good. This team is good. 
so basically what we're trying to cover is like they're not as great as last season because there's no guarantee we make the tournament with last team they were third seed big difference but they still have that dog in them from last year they still have the yeah. effort the same some returning players same greatness kind well, of attitude towards the game they have a lot of players coming back the dylan gergar who's a senior um who was like one of the best offensive weapons last year uh he only played in three games this year he's out essentially for the entire season mm-hmm. um with a with an injury but the team has they've this team is so deep that they found ways to stay relevant to find replace his minutes replace his production mm-hmm. like they had luke Danola, who's a sophomore who played in one game last year hadn't played at all uh prior to last week at brown and then he comes off the bench against brown and scores four goals amazing and like they're not like and like slots right in like this team is deep enough that they can do it but it's not going to be easy there is there's not as huge of a margin for error mm-hmm. okay but they have that potential yeah what do you what do you think most separates this year's team from last year's team i think gergar's injury um so just not have like him like sam hanley is like a, exceptional mm-hmm. just a huge physical presence and like big boy everyone's terrified of him when he has the ball like you see how defenses like react mm-hmm. And he can shoot from anywhere. He can, like, score from anywhere. But to not have Grigor alongside him, um, who was, like, such a great compliment, and, like, that duo was so great together mm-hmm. last year, that's that's probably the biggest difference. It always sucks losing a co-star. And I mean, star is not the right word for, for lacrosse, as I've learned, but it sucks losing, you know, the one-two punch that you have going for your team. And, yeah, I think I, – I, I hope they win. I'm a homer for everything. As a host, you know, I have people come on. I don't always know about the sports. But if a team has even the sliver of a chance, I'll, I'll be there in a crowd shouting. I may not be optimistic, but I'll, I'll, I'll be there screaming. I'll be screaming for them that they'll have their chance later in the season, and we'll see if they clinch it. Yeah, I think there is reason for optimism. Okay. And now we're going to transition over to um, a little bit of a recent recap of Penn Baseball. We're going to go to Walker Carnathan, who's covered them recently in their recent success. All right, Sean. I have a good hook for you for this. Do you want to hear it? I, you know what? I'm... I am dying to hear your hook. Okay, so the big the big curse on Philly sports teams recently has been getting to the 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 edge of the finish line and then not you know winning when it matters most. You know, mm-hmm. Phillies losing the World Series, Eagles losing the Super Bowl, Un- Union losing the championship game for the MLS, MLS Cup. the MLS Cup. Um, you know, Penn football starts six and zero or seven and zero, and we don't get there in the end. Penn basketball loses heartbreakers to Princeton at the end, as we've discussed. They lost their regular season title their on the last day. Their regular season title on yeah. the last day. Um, but what if I told you that Penn baseball is going to break that curse? For one, I don't believe you. Two, two, I love your hook, but we already had a team beat it this year. Do you, do you want to guess which team? Soccer? No. The G League team of the Sixers. The Delaware Bluecoats. You're Delaware absolutely Blue right. The Delaware Bluecoats won their championship game, and I couldn't be more pr- Mac McClung, <laughs> our did. Lord and Savior. They did. They bu- they broke the curse. Um, well, if you want to, you want to ignore them. South, if they, South Bay Legends Laker Mac McClung. Exactly. If they you. if they if they broke the curse, then Penn baseball is going to be the team that takes advantage of the curse being broken because I think they're going to win the Ivy. Okay. Okay. Now you say that. You've also come on this show, and you know you're always a homer. You vehemently support Penn, even when it's obvious they're going to lose, like men's basketball. We're um, projecting a game that's like seven months from now. I mean, I, th- I don't <laughs> think anything is obvious. But. That's that's fair. But what what makes what makes you think there's a difference this year? So last year, Penn baseball was during the regular season they were the best team in the Ivy League. Um, they beat 
beat Columbia when they played them in the regular season and then lost in the Ivy League Championship Series to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, it's been pretty much the same story. Um, you know, they lost to Harvard in the series they played against Harvard, um, but since then, uh, like last weekend in particular, Har- or Harvard dropped uh, two out of their three games against uh, Cornell mm-hmm. and Penn swept Brown, which moved uh, Penn ahead of Harvard in the standings, um, you know, back to first place, sole possession, I think, because Columbia is also up there again, but they lost two out of their three games to Princeton, who Penn uh, beat in their series this year. Um, so from a head-to-head matchups and, you know, a comparing team standpoint, I think there's a really sound case to be made. But even just apart from that, if you want to talk about the team, I think, um, you know, I've watched their last four games between their game against their game at Villanova last Wednesday and their three games against Brown this weekend. And they're just like, and Brown is not the greatest team in the world. Villanova is very much not the greatest team in the world. We know. But they were, I mean, it's just a display of dominance, really. I mean, in in every facet of a baseball game, fielding, hitting, pitching, just everything. Like Penn, there's just... A sign of the great teams is when they put away lower competition correctly. Exactly. You know? And having Penn do that is important. It's important. Yeah, they're just like un, unequivocally never a doubt better. I mean, they went up, I think... uh Eight zero after two innings against mm-hmm. Brown in the in the second game, like it they, it was it was like watching you know two different like levels of baseball team. Did Drumbo have his strikeout fifteen strikeout game during this stretch? No, that was against Princeton. Okay. Um, Either yeah. way, last that was weekend. Ago. Yeah, because when I covered, but like that was that was one of that was one for the all time. Like that, that that's was one of the best pen seven games. innings. Yeah. I and mean, I can look up the full. He, game. And he 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 pitched the entire the entire third game against Brown, and I think was just as good. He had yeah. a one he had a one one hitter with, or until the ninth inning, he had a one hitter with twelve strikeouts, mm-hmm. and then gave up two hits in a run in the in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. But we were up like a like a decent amount. Yeah, it didn't it didn't matter. From covering Penn baseball early in the season, their pitching is great. I covered them when they had like a back a double header in three game series, and their pitching faltered a little bit. But their guys came in and were great. At like, I I talked to the coach about it. He trusts all of them. He even when they're having bad games, he's like, I know when this season comes down the line that they're gonna throw exactly what they need to. And that that made me confident as a guy. I, I love baseball. I love the Phillies coming to Penn. I'm really excited about having like you know a good sports team to root for. The pitching is what makes me the most excited because even if your hitting's bad, when you have guys like Owen Cody, Drumbo coming up. Cole Zafiro was also very good yeah, over the Cole weekend. Zafiro. He threw six scoreless in the second game. Exactly. Like when you have three or four guys, you can say like, "I can trust them to throw six innings." That's a great baseball team. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your hitters are. And I think it's also really important because like one of the things Coach said about uh, the Brown games in particular was they went up bi- big in games one and two, really big, and then you know the seventh or eighth inning, like around towards the end of the game. Brown started to mount like the smallest of comebacks, like not anything that actually threatened the outcome, but like it goes from 11-0 to 11-5. And, you know, those deficits are a lot easier to stomach when you have great pitching. Like, mm-hmm. let's say, let's let's compare them to another our, our favorite Philadelphia baseball team, the oh, Phillies. Yeah. You know, the Phillies have the boppers too, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, JT, like they have they have the hitters. And Penn has the, Penn has the boppers too. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Hensler, uh, Jackson Appel, they hit, they hit like mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but the thing that the Phillies didn't have when it mattered most was elite pitching. As good as Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are, they didn't come up big in the World Series, and I think that is something that Penn's pitchers can do. Did you have I to th- rub that in? 
Listen, I love the Phillies just as much as you do. <laughs> as, but as, the fa- as, the, as a fan of a team that choked in the playoffs because of the opposite problem, pitching is uh, pitching keeps you in games, but you also need hitting. So. Yeah, and hey, Penn has both. Yeah, yeah. I mean that exactly. I mean, Cody Drombowski and as if you're like top three in the IFB and ERA, mm-hmm. and like, wow, yeah, <laughs> um, the top three, like they the are top, the top three, the top three. Holy shit, that, um, that is the sexiest and, stat like, I've ever three, heard. And all three Penn. of them are holding opponents to like below 200 batting average so like and because of the way like mlb like you need five pit, good pit you need five yeah. pitchers but because of the way college baseball works in that there's you play a three-game series every weekend and then maybe you play one mm-hmm. midweek game on a tuesday or wednesday you really only need three pitchers mm-hmm. and it goes in the you never play more than three or four games a week mm-hmm. all the way through the but stat the your entire postseason. That stat you just gave gave me supreme confidence we're gonna do well. Because if we have one, two, and three lined up, that that is I mean, what do you what do you think if you're the opposing team yeah, going well, into that game? Like, I mean, oh, we gotta Mets, play the top the, three the pitchers Met. in ERA in three days in a row. I mean oh. the Mets also had one, two, and three lined up and we don't speak of the Mets here. Okay. We don't respect those we don't respect them as an organization. We don't we don't we won't we won't make that reference. These are the Phillies. Agreed. Okay. The, Phillies the Phillies with great pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> that will come up clutch when it matters. Also, or the Dodgers with good hitters. And but. again, there, there, mm-hmm. there's nothing, like the reason we're talking about this quote-unquote curse is because there's nothing you can do to predict what's going to happen when yeah. you know the, when it's all on the line. Again, last season, Penn Baseball was far and away the best team in the Ivy and did not come away with the title. But I think it's it's very difficult, first of all, to be the best team in your conference and not win your conference two years in a row. And second of all, I mean, these guys were all there. They all experienced that, and a lot of them are leaving. Um, uh, I know a lot of the. We just published a story about the the transfers that are going to, you know, bigger, more major D one baseball programs to use their last year of eligibility, and you know, obviously they're already motivated. But if it's any motivating factor, I think they want to go out here on top. We have all the narratives in our way. best three pitchers, great hitting, last dance narrative. I think you know what, that's a great way to leave off the segment. We are the last. Dance. We're the Bulls here. We're the Bulls. Michael Jordan, Scott. Even though we haven't won anything, we're the we're the Bulls. <laughs> we're the for Bulls. Sure. We'll take we'll take the ninety six Bulls comparison. Ninety eight Bulls. 90, oh, that too. Child. <laughs> and we'll move move on to our next segment. And for our final segment of the day, we're going to go to Walker Carnathan once again. We're going to be covering the twenty twenty three NBA draft prospect Jordan Dingle and his chances going into the NBA. Yeah, so I think this is a pretty operative topic, um, both you know for Penn, for Penn basketball, and just for the I- Ivy League athletics in general. Um, so, a couple weeks ago, Jordan Dingle, Ivy League Player of the Year, uh, second leading scorer in America, d- uh, tentatively declared for the NBA draft, which is to say that um, he declared for the twenty twenty three NBA draft while still maintaining his last year of college eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the moment it's up in the air, whether or not he's going to come back to Penn next year. Um, and it will depend primarily on what kind of evaluation he gets from, uh, NBA scouts and, Mm -hmm. you know, what, uh, the draft holds for him. Um, and I think that Jordan Dingle in this scenario offers a really interesting sort of case study on the perception of the Ivy League in terms of the greater basketball world or in the NBA. And it's especially interesting coming off of, you know, Princeton Sweet 16 run. Um, shout out. Shout out the Sweet 16 run. Um, shout out Langborn. Shout out Langborn. Don't shout out, not shout out Princeton anymore, <laughs> but uh, shout out the Sweet 16 run and what it meant for the Ivy League. Um, 
but I think coming off that, it's just, it's sort of a, a really important moment to examine, you know, the Ivy league status among Mm -hmm. basketball, you know, conferences or institutions or whatever you want to say, because essentially my thought process is if Jordan Dingle, uh, 23.4, points per game, second leading score in America, player of the year, scoring prowess transcends the bounds of the Ivy League conference. If he can't get a shot at the NBA level, mm-hmm. what Ivy League player can? Yeah. And just just for some reference to listeners, the way he can get, you know, offer himself into the draft and still like, regain eligibility is basically he says he's going into the draft so him and his agent can discuss with other people what his likelihood of being drafted is. If he doesn't think he's going to be drafted, he can rescind it the day before the draft and still be able to play college the next year. Yeah. Um, so that's his process. That's his like thought process going into it. And like Walker said, what more could an Ivy League player do? Like the, the the man is averaging not more like top scoring in the Ivy League. It's in the country out of every D one school. Hell, most D three schools, and that's that's saying something because D three gets pretty ridiculous. But D one, he's been playing lights out. Sure, he's inefficient and small. I apologize. It's true, but he sh- like if he doesn't get a shot, like Walker said, no one really does. I mean, like no one who comes in at that sort of prototypical, like smaller school, big number, like big fish, small pond, like prospect is gonna get a shot. Maybe someone who com- comes in can come in undrafted, in like some sort of completely different role. If mm-hmm. they're just some sort of freak athlete, I mean. Think of Ish Wainwright playing football at Baylor and never really like not being a basketball player. Big in beefy man for the Suns. Yeah, Love like Ish. someone might come in like through that role, but no one's gonna come in from the role of like I scored twenty five points a game in college and like I was just a f- got all these buckets and tough to guard and quick and explosive and all that and like primary option at a, at their college team if not Dingle. But that's the, yeah, that's the reality for you know Ivy League players. I mean the last. Ivy League, there's no, currently no Ivy League players on active NBA rosters. There's a couple in the G League. The last uh, couple to enter the league were Devin Kennedy and Mie Oni from Princeton and Yale, respectively, in 2019, and neither of them are on their rosters anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most famous uh, NBA player from an Ivy League school is Jeremy Lin, uh, f- who went to Harvard. Um, Not, no, out. maybe. No. That is the most yeah. famous by far. I mean, yeah. Of I mean, the modern era, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, we can go back to Ernie Beck. Yeah, most to... most famous best is, you know, whatever subjective. But even, you know, J- Jeremy Lin, he had Linsanity, obviously, but mm-hmm. not the longest, most sustained yeah. NBA career by it's any stretch. Linsanity, like, month for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, unfortunately, it, history isn't exactly on Jordan Dingle's side, mm-hmm. and neither are the mock drafts. Like yeah. I, I think I just looked at a couple like right now. Uh, Jordan Dingle's like ranked outside the top sixty. Um, some like further down. Um, Tosan is ranked in a couple. Um, but he's not projected mm-hmm. to get drafted either. It's really, really hard to get drafted in the NBA. Like Adama Sanogo, who just led UConn to the national championship and won NCAA tournament most outstanding player, is projected forty sixth. Mm-hmm. Out of I sixty, mean, Zach Eady is probably not is not a lot. He's the wooden player, he, the unanimous best player in college basketball is not a lottery pick. Yeah, he won't even be. He's he, not a first round pick. He he'll be lucky to go in the top forty. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because the college game is not the pro game. Uh, not at all. And that's and the saddest part about it is the most disregarded and disrespected type of player coming out of the draft is undersized guards, scoring guards specifically, 
because NBA teams are looking for players who can provide at least like if they can't shoot, they can defend. If they can't defend, um, they can pass well. And Dinkle has shown scoring. And if he can't score, he is an undersized guard who didn't show a ton of passing prowess. He's a great passer, but it's not shown in the stat sheets or in tons of gameplay. And a guy, you know, probably isn't the best defender off like, you know, looks. So he doesn't have that argument for him where he can say like, oh, I'm a ridiculous athlete as well. Well, he, he is, but for the NBA standards, I mean. Mm. Yeah, and so I, it's a 3 and D league. And exactly. It's a 3 and D league, and the guy is shorter and isn't like doesn't have a large wingspan, doesn't have great, like huge jumping ability, nothing that jumps off the paper. But guys have done it before, and if there's anybody who's going to do it from the Ivy, it's ha- it should be him. I would love to see him get a chance in the G League. A lot of guys do. Yeah, G League, Summer League, wherever. Like. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just crazy to me like how quickly the paradigm can shift again because you know however many months ago one or two months ago we watched princeton beat arizona and it was 15 over two and it was look at us look at the ivy league we're a real conference we have real basketball players and now the ivy league player of the year the most dominant player in the ivy league by a mile is up for consideration in the draft and he's an afterthought Mm -hmm. um so it's just i mean i'm not you know necessarily saying either way oh he should be considered for that i mean i i think a lot of every team needs scoring spark plugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, projecting he could potentially be that. But I'm not, again, I'm not necessarily ad- like saying he should or shouldn't, you know, be in that top 60. I'm just saying that, you know, if 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 what he's done doesn't warrant that consideration, then what few el- not, almost nothing else in the Ivy League, I think, will. The only thing you, that I imagine could get a guy in is athletic numbers like a guy being <coughs> six seven jump out the gym but guys like that don't, don't go to um, ivies yeah because they <laughs> go one and done like cause they, they go to they go to colleges that better suit their standards better elevate the draft prospects so it's really it's guys like dingle who come to the ivy who excel in the ivy league who are these scoring guards who are just ruthlessly like have specialized and like know how to and like mm-hmm. Like crafty is, I guess, one word for it, but they know the game mm-hmm. and they know how to get their looks and just how to succeed. But they're not the great, like, they're not jumping out. They're not putting up combine numbers yeah. in the, like, 90th percentiles. And also for me, one thing that, this is slightly unrelated, but it's 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 related to Penn. You know, Temple just blew up. They got rid of their coach. All their players yeah. transferred. But their two top players transferred to Arizona and Houston. And Dinkle outplayed both of them. By a mile. Yeah. Now, Khalif Battle is what, like three inches taller, two inches taller, a little bit taller of a wingspan. He gets that shot. I can't remember if he went to Houston or Arizona. Either way, two top 10 schools in basketball. Premier basketball programs. If he gets that shot when he was regularly outplayed by Dingle, just because what? He's a little bit more of an athlete, I guess. That to me, like that hurts my stomach a bit when thinking about it because I don't want Dingle to have to leave to get a fair shot. But if that's what Khalif Battle is doing, a guy he routinely, not again, shout out Khalif Battle, great player. He routinely was better than him. He's better than him. He yeah. is better than him at like <laughs> head to head <laughs> yes. stats, everything. If Khalif Battle is going to get that shot at a top program while Dingle doesn't get that, that's rough. And it's, it's because, you know, he's going, he's leaving the Ivy League. And that's really the, the one thing that propelled his career forward. So, yeah, I mean. There are, I'm sure there's, like, Caleb Padillas, she's transferring away from the program as exactly. a senior. She is going to go to a Power 5 school, I can, or a mm-hmm. Power 6 school. I can guarantee you that for a fact. She's going to go to a Power 6 school that I'm that probably made the tournament last year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like she hasn't announced yet. I have like ideas, but not nothing. I'm not confident in anything to share. Um, and like, but like, yeah, there's there's options for Ivy League players, but there's also the some of the stuff that you can get at the Ivy League mm-hmm. that you can't get elsewhere in terms of non basketball things oh yeah like better locker rooms better opportunities better support almost better every degrees, better connections exactly well well we don't have better locker rooms no i'm saying i'm At saying other when schools. you leave others yeah, yeah. no but the, but you can get better non-basketball connections at the, at the ivy league than you can basically any other conference yeah like you can get it the ivy league has benefits mm-hmm. but if we're ta- if we're talking from a draft perspective i mean the argument is there and i don't necessarily know that I'm making it, but the argument is there that Jordan Dingle has reached his pen ceiling, and that if he wants, if he wants an NBA career, if he, which you know, obviously he does and should and has the right to, and you know, is more, I think, an achievable thing. If he wants an NBA career, that might have to be something he pursues elsewhere, like you were kind of alluding to with the mm-hmm. with the Khalif battle um, comparison. And obviously, I love pen basketball. I don't want Jordan Dingle to leave Penn basketball, but it might be in his best interest. It might be. And also, the only other thing I can imagine, because again, comparing him to other size guards, the only guys I can think of that, you know, it's like a guy like Mac McClung. <laughs> which <laughs> Ish Smith. Ish Smith. Exactly. Jose Alvarado. <laughs> Jose Alvarado. These shorter guys. Um, but even these guys like Mac McClung, it's fantastic. Athlete. Athlete. Hope it's Jose Alvarado defensive defensively can can compete. demon <laughs> defensive demon. demon okay grand theft alvarado but when you when you go to dingle i think the one way he can up his say he doesn't get drafted this year or say he doesn't get scouted this year and he stays with Penn basketball which is semi-likely i think the the one way he can get his draft level up is choosing something on offense to be belligerently good at we've seen him score a lot but you know from three he wasn't the best if that man can get his three number up for example that's something that that's something that really gets your draft stock shooting. Or if he can show that he can get two to three more two steals a game. Yeah. Like something like one small jump, I think it could propel him up yeah. draft boards that, for next year. That's all it's gonna take. Was one one more skill, I think. Yeah. I, I I mean I think my I guess concluding thought is that I think he is a complete enough basketball player that he should get that shot. Oh, like whether yeah. whether that's in the whether that's like he gets drafted or, you know, he gets he plays in the G League or, you know, I think he's like a complete enough and like comparable enough talent um, and has transcended like what is typically expected of an Ivy League player. I just I think that even if he, you know, acquires that additional skill, if he shoots, you know, 45 percent from three or he averages two steals a game, I just I worry that. He, it will be viewed with the same dismissiveness as his 23.4 points per game are. And that despite, you know, being the fantastic player that he is, it won't be given the respect it deserves. You're right. Yeah. Again, at the end of the day, we all love him here. We're grateful for his time at Penn yeah. Basketball. We want the best for him. All we're saying is we're, we're just talking about him. We so, we all support him here, and we really wish, you know, hopefully he does get drafted this year, as much as it would suck for Penn Basketball. Yeah, I mean, I, I want nothing but the best for him. I hope he, I hope he goes first overall. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to watch him, whatever he does next. And yeah, that'll conclude our podcast this time. Um, thank you guys for listening. We had a triple header today. I know it was a long one. Um, but appreciate you guys for sticking around. And tune in for the last podcast of the year for next week.